0: Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Reclaim TX. Now, please enjoy this message. Getting into a new theme that, that we've entitled "Unshakable Kingdom," and really, what brought us to this theme was looking at what's happening in the world. If if you even look beyond what we've been experiencing, as as we know, as the virus or what the or COVID nineteen. Beyond that, there's been an increase of a lot of chaotic things. And I don't want to go into too much detail with that, but we've seen an increase in a lot of things, a lot of bad things. And so really what we've come down to is that our world has been shaken. What we've gone through, a lot of us, our our physical life has been shaken. But what the Lord began to speak to me is that even when the world is shaken, the kingdom of God is unshakable. It cannot be moved. And so we're getting into this theme that if the kingdom of God is unshakable, then we as members and as carriers of the glory of God, we also remain unshakable. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, 22 through 29 says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. fire. Let's pray. Bow your heads wherever you are. Close your eyes. Father, we thank you for this kingdom that we have received, an unshakable kingdom, immovable kingdom, everlasting kingdom. And I ask today, Lord, that your word would minister to each one of us, God, that we would not leave this stream the same, but Lord, let us leave differently, more confident in who you are and what you've done in us. And we thank you. And I pray, God, that this message would not be my thoughts or my opinions, but Lord, let it be founded and based in your word and led by your spirit and led by by your heart, we thank you in Jesus' name, Amen. Now, as we always do, we greet each other. So, I want if you're if you're watching online, why don't you greet each other in the comments if you can do that? Um, if not, it's okay. But say hi to one another, and welcome to Reclaim Church, man. It's good to be together online. And so, this kingdom that we're talking about. And when I begin to read the scripture, it was it was it it can very easily be translated as like a kingdom that is out of this world and a kingdom that is not accessible or a kingdom that's somewhere in like the galaxies or like in outer space or in the universe or or a mysterious kingdom. But the truth is the kingdom that the Bible speaks about is a kingdom that is accessible to us today. It is among us today. It's not something that we necessarily have to wait for, although we will enter into heaven in eternity but the kingdom of God is accessible to us today. We have access not just to enter into the kingdom, but to become a part of the kingdom. We're not just visiting the kingdom of God, but we become kingdom people. We become those who have been grafted into the kingdom of God and to the family of God. And this is not um, reserved for a special kind of person. This is not reserved for a certain individual. But this is, this is a place and a kingdom that is open to anybody that would put their faith in Jesus. And so even today, if you're watching, it's sometimes it's hard to connect, especially when we're online like this, or sometimes it's hard to connect to the idea of the kingdom of God because it's like, well, I can't see it, I can't always feel it, and sometimes I don't feel good enough to be a part of it. But the kingdom that we're speaking is is open and welcome to all those who have faith. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 17, verse 20 through 21. He says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Or another translation says the kingdom of God is among you. We did a whole series on this. We talked about the presence of God, how the kingdom of God is the very presence of Jesus himself. And the truth is this, is that is the kingdom we're talking about, the presence and the glory of God that is accessible to us today. And we are being welcomed in by God. God is welcoming you into his presence, into the kingdom. Again, in Hebrews 12, 25, it says, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven. See, when Jesus, and even if you go back to the Old Testament of the prophets, all the way to Jesus, all the way to where we are today, back in the Old Testament, they rejected the prophets. They rejected the words that they had to say. They didn't believe in what they said. Now you come down to when Jesus is walking on the earth and you see that many rejected Jesus. Many people heard him and followed him but rejected the message. And now we today have received the Holy Spirit. We receive direct communication from here on earth to God in heaven. And even the Holy Spirit calls us. He calls us into the presence. You know that feeling in the morning when you wake up and you feel like, man, I feel like I should pray. Or that feeling when you're stressing out about everything going around you. You feel like, man, I feel like I need to, I need to get into the presence of God. I need, to, I need to pray. I need to read. That is not your emotion drawing you in, but it's the Holy Spirit drawing us into his presence. It's crazy to think about it, how we would ignore that. How we would say, no, I'm, I'm too tired or I'm too busy. Or I'm too frustrated to enter into this place, into the kingdom, into the presence. But this is the calling of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just, it's not, it doesn't just get narrowed down to those moments. But it's a calling of eternity. It's a calling of the Holy Spirit saying, will you enter into this kingdom and walk into eternity with the Lord or will you reject his invitation?" We don't just have the invitation for the moment, so we don't just have an invitation for eternity, but we have the invitation to walk with Jesus and to know the Holy Spirit. But just as the people rejected the prophets and just as the people rejected Jesus, we too come to this moment where we often reject the Holy Spirit. We reject his invitation. Acts 7.51 says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. It's like this routine of man to want God, and then when you get him, to reject him. You see that throughout all the the children of Israel when they're wandering around the wilderness. They got God. They they sought him. They wanted him. Then when they got him, they didn't want him anymore. You heard them cry out for the things of Egypt. You heard them cry out for the things of the past. And When they received the presence of God, it wasn't, it wasn't good enough for their flesh. But we have all been invited into the presence of God. We all have this opportunity to know him. We all have this opportunity to walk with him. He's inviting us. He's inviting us to relationship. He's inviting you to relationship. I know that for us as a church, our heart is that people would know God. We are very, we're not very concerned with how many people know about our church. And I'm not very concerned with how many people know about me or how how many people know about my sermons or know about our worship. That is not our concern. We're not concerned with how many people we have in the building or how many members we have in our church. That's not our greatest concern. My greatest concern, and I believe the heart of our church, is that many would know Jesus. Not know me, not know religion, not know church, but would know Jesus. The sad part today is that more people know church than know him. More people know religion than know him. Because we know that there's an invitation We know that there is is a welcoming into his presence, but we also know that if we accept that invitation, it comes with sacrifice. It comes with letting go of the flesh and letting go of our past will and our past desires. But even if we reject him, the invitation is still there. Matthew 22, verse 2 through 8 says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. In other words, they rejected them. The king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited are not worthy. See, just knowing that there is an invitation is not good enough. Just hearing the voice of God is not good enough. There must be a response. There must be a response from us. When it comes to the kingdom of God, just knowing it's there is not good enough, guys. It's not good enough just to say, oh, I, I, I know of God, or I know of Jesus, or I know of church. That is not good enough. There must be a response. There must be a response. See, Jesus redeemed us so that we, when we respond, we are redeemed. Most of us will look back and say, well, I can't respond to God because I'm not good enough. I, I always find it funny when... When people say, well, I got to get things together before I can get right with God. It doesn't make sense. I gotta, I got to take care of my sin before I go to the only one who can take care of my sin. It doesn't make sense. We're invited, and when we respond, we are redeemed. Ephesians 2:11 through 13 says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at the same time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We have been forgiven. We have been redeemed, and we have been accepted into the family of God. I was in prayer yesterday. <clears throat> I, I hate to do this on live, but can I get some water, please? In any, in anyway. <clears throat> I was in prayer yesterday, and if I'm honest with you, and I, I know that you can relate, and a lot of you guys in the room probably can relate too, when you get into the when you, you ever get into prayer. And your first inclination is to tell God how you don't belong there, right? Like, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I don't belong here. Thank you, David. Let me take this real quick. you ever get into those moments God I know I don't belong here I know that I'm a sinner God please I'm sorry for yesterday and the day before and all the mistakes that I've made and and would you please accept me into this into the presence of God and that we feel like there's this there's these moments and again there is a moment of repentance and I understand that but yesterday I had this moment where God clearly spoke to my heart when I was about to say God I don't belong here he said son yes you do because I've been accepted Because of the blood of Jesus. Because I've been redeemed by God, and so have you. If you've repented, if you've come to Jesus, you have been redeemed by His blood. And so now you are no longer, like it says, you're no longer far, or you're no longer an outcast, but now you have been brought near to the very presence and heart of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. So now when we go into prayer, now we're talking about the kingdom here. So now when you go into prayer, you don't have to go into prayer saying, Lord, I'm sorry, God, please, God, please give me your presence, God. Can I please encounter you? No, we go in knowing that I have a new identity, that who I once was is not who I am anymore. So now when I go into the presence of God, I understand I at one, at one moment, I did not belong. But because I've been forgiven, I've been set free, and I've been washed, now I belong. And this is the thing is that when we begin to belong, we stop living the life we used to live when we, when we didn't belong. We have now this new identity. James 1, through 25 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The, the, the scripture is saying the word of God is like a mirror. Now, what does that mean? That means when you look at the word of God, it doesn't just say the things that you've done that are wrong. It doesn't just tell you the mistakes you made. But when you look at the word of God, you begin to see who you really are. It's, it's, it's like a mirror where you look at and you see your true identity. You see that I'm no longer the sinner that I once was because I've been redeemed by the blood of God, by, 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 the blood, by the blood of Jesus, I've been forgiven. I've been set free. And now I'm welcomed into this family. So when I look at this mirror, which is the word of God, I, I can no longer live how I used to live. Because the scripture is saying when we don't do what the word of God says we can and should, that means we look at it and say, okay, I got a new identity. I know who I am. Then we forget and go live how we used to live. That's why it says doers of the word. And not here is only. That means when I look at it, I see my identity and I begin to live out the new identity that I have in Christ. Because I don't belong in my old ways. And the reason I don't belong in my old ways is because I'm no longer a member or a citizen of the earth. But I am a citizen of the kingdom. So because I'm a citizen of the kingdom, I must allow God to shake out the things of my flesh. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Another version says, I urge you as pilgrims. Basically, I urge you as those who are passing through to not live like those who are making permanent residence here. So he's saying, Because you're passing through, because you're a kingdom person and not a person of earth, let go of the things that are earthly. Don't walk in your flesh. Because I'm a new creation, I can no longer live the life that I used to live. Shaking out the flesh. It says it in in, in the Hebrews, in the verse we read earlier, that when he spoke, the ground shook or the mountain shook. We need to allow God to shake us and to say God what is it in my life that is so earthly that I that it's not making any difference in the kingdom. God, what is it in me that needs to change? Because when I enter into the kingdom of God, I want to live like a kingdom-minded person. I want to live like one who belongs in the kingdom, not like one who's confused about where my identity lies. Oh, yeah, I'm a kingdom person, but also I love to sin and I love my flesh, but, but I also love God. No, you have to make a choice. When it comes to the kingdom, we have to make a choice. Am I going to be fully in the kingdom or fully in to the flesh? Because there is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. We must remove that which won't last. I have to allow God to look intently into my life and show me the things that are shakable that won't remain. Because those things that won't remain cannot be your foundation. They cannot be your priority. They cannot be our treasure. I don't want to put treasure in things of the earth that when God shakes it up, it's going to be gone and removed. But I want to put my heart and my treasure into things that when they're shaken, they last because they're eternal. So to be kingdom, to be a person of the kingdom, we have to be kingdom-minded. Kingdom-minded means that we trust in God's plan and not in our expectations of what we think God's plan should be. See, when Jesus came to, onto the earth, even as he was passing, the people were expecting a different kind of kingdom. They were expecting that Jesus would come and liberate them right there on the earth that they'd be immediately set free from all the oppression of their government. But that's not the kingdom that Jesus was bringing. That's not the kingdom that we're talking about. See, we may not always understand God's plan. We may even expect Him to do something different. But a kingdom-minded individual will say, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to you whether you do what I think you should do or not. God, I'm going to do what you say, whether I agree with it or not, whether I'm comfortable with it or not, whether it's easy or not. See, Jesus showed us how to do this. And we see this in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus was will, was willing to go through the pain in order to fulfill God's plan. That is a kingdom-minded example. When we say, God, I will go through whatever you want me to go through so that I can fulfill your plan, even if it's painful, even if I don't understand it, I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to stay at my post. I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. Because every one of us have an assignment from God. Every one of us have an assignment from God. And I'm afraid, honestly, I'm afraid sometimes that we get so caught up in ministry and church and all these different things that we forget why we're here. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20 says, All this is from God who who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the word to himself, not counting their trespasses against him and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. And so we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled. To God guys, we have one assignment, it's to bring the lost to Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we have that's why we do everything that we do is that one person would come to know the Lord. This is the assignment we've been given, and sometimes we're so distracted by everything else that we lose focus of our kingdom assignment. That we lose focus of where we're supposed to be. See, when we focus, when we're not supposed to be focused on self-preservation, but on kingdom expansion. So my life is not lived that I would be good and that my family would be good. And we'd have enough money to make it through and we have enough finances and security for the next season for my kids get older. Although, yes, I want that, but that's not my assignment. My main assignment is that I would expand the kingdom of God. That is kingdom Minded. See, the more we focus on our selfish desires, that means the less we're focusing on the will of God. And the less that we focus on the will of God, the more we begin to fulfill the will of our flesh. When we lose sight and we're no longer kingdom-minded, we become fleshly-minded. And we fulfill that will instead of the will of God. So we have to come to this place of being fully surrendered. Again, Jesus shows us in the garden before he's going to be betrayed by Judas He tells his disciples to pray, and we hear we're we're allowed into the prayer of Jesus. Where he says, God, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. What a prayer. What what an example that Jesus was about to go through the most excruciating pain not just physically, but spiritually, he was going to be separated from his father. And he's going before that that same father saying, if there's any way, if there's any other way, can you please, can you please lead me in that way? But if not, your will be done and not mine. That is the kingdom-minded person. Jesus, your will And not mine. Father, your will, whatever you want, whatever you ask me to do, not whatever I want to do. And now we, we take this idea and this thought and we put it into this place of like, oh, yeah, the big things. Yeah, I got all sacrifice and I'll go preach and I'll go minister and I'll, and I'll give and all these big things. But can I tell you sometimes that heart is really meant for just treat the way you treat your spouse, the way you treat your wife, the way you treat your husband, the way you treat your kids, the way that you treat the family around you. God, what's your will in this situation? How am I supposed to talk to these people? God, what's your will in my prayer life? God, what is your will in my daily schedule? God, what is your will in the way my life works? I, I think it's funny, and, and I, I listen, I'm guilty of this too, that we try to fit God into our schedule when our schedule should be built around God. We try to say, okay, I can fit you 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there. And say, so, okay, God, I'll sacrifice some sleep to get up and pray and seek your face. God, I'll sacrifice some things so that I can encounter you in greater ways. See, this is a kingdom-minded person. God, what pleases you? Father, what pleases you? Because that is what I want. That is what I want to do. I don't care about what anybody else says or what everybody else does. God, what pleases you? Not my will, but your will. This is the kingdom-minded person, and I believe that the kingdom-minded individual, when we are welcomed into this kingdom, this unshakable kingdom, we become unshakable. I like the, the, the contrast of these two mountains in the scripture of Hebrews. We're going to read it one more time. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 through 24. It says, For you have not come... To what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast such as the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying that was the sight that Moses said. I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to the innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So you have Mount Zion, the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. But he's also referring to Mount Sinai. And the two contrasting things here is you have a spiritual mountain, Mount Zion. Then you have the physical mountain, uh, excuse me, Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai, when God spoke and when God came, it says the mountain shook because the physical things cannot handle the glory of God. The physical things of the earth cannot handle God's glory. That's why we cannot put our faith in physical things. We can't put our faith in physical religion or physical church buildings or physical traditions. Our faith must be placed in a God that cannot be shaken. It must be placed in Zion, the mountain that cannot be shaken by anything that happens around it. Now, the major difference between Sinai and Zion is visitation and habitation. Sinai was a place where God would visit and only a certain few at a certain time were allowed in. But then you look to Mount Zion, that was that is a place where God dwells. And in that very dwelling place, many are welcomed in. Those who have faith are welcomed in to be a part of the presence and the family of God. Revelations 21, 2 and 3 says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and they heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be, the, will be with them as their God. John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory as the, as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. When you think about the unshakable kingdom, We now are welcomed in to Mount Zion, which is the unshakable city of God. Now, what is the city of God? The city of God is his dwelling place. It's where his presence resides. And so we're no longer outcasts that are trying to get in. But now we've been welcomed in to the presence of God. Verse 24, and this is the last scripture that I'm going to read. Of Hebrews. Verse 24 says, And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See, when you look back in Cain and Abel, Abel's blood cried out to God for justice and revenge. Something had to happen because he was murdered. But then the blood of Jesus cries out to God that justice has been served on the cross. And instead of crying out for re- revenge, the blood of Jesus cries out redemption. And so, when you look at these, these two contrasting ideas the blood of Cain and the blood of Jesus, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion what we see is temporary fleshly things that couldn't last and things that are eternal that are unshakable. The blood of Jesus screams out redemption and forgiveness and welcomes us into the presence of God and because we're in the presence of God we can walk in stability and the power of the kingdom we can be surprised we can go through emotions and we can have a lot of things in our life fall apart around us but listen to me believer christian if you are a believer in God you cannot be shaken you cannot be shaken and when you feel like you're being shaken, run to Mount Zion. Run to the presence of God. Get into the moments with the Holy Spirit where you're saying, God, I have anxiety. Lord, I'm anxious. I'm worried. I'm frustrated. God, I don't know what to do. I'm, I feel that I'm beginning to be shaken. No, stop where you're at and run to his presence because in his presence you cannot be shaken. Psalms 125, 1 and 2 says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be moved but abides forever as the mountain surrounds Jerusalem so the lord so the lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore it says that those who trust in the lord will be like mount zion unshakable unmovable believer because we serve a, a king and a kingdom that cannot be shaken we as believers cannot be shaken you cannot be destroyed. The enemy can tempt you, and he can bother you, and he can frustrate you, but he cannot destroy you. He can, he, can, he can entice you and try to get you to do things, but listen, he cannot make you do them. You are unshakable because of the kingdom of God. We are carriers of this kingdom. And I, I hope that we believe that this morning. And I do want to pray <clears throat> as we close. And I want to ask you if there's anybody watching that doesn't know Jesus. Anybody that doesn't know him personally, we've talked about this. You now have opportunity for relationship with God. We believe that Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. He covered our sins. He's given us opportunity for forgiveness, but you have to accept it. And acceptance comes with repentance and surrender. To say, Lord, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. Could you forgive me? I'll turn away from my sin. I'll turn away from my flesh. Maybe you haven't done that. Or maybe sometime within this quarantine, you've gone back to old habits. Maybe you back sit in your heart. And you say, man, I need to get right with God. Today's the day. Run to Mount Zion. Run to the dwelling place of God. Well, oh, the blood of Christ has, been, has paid for our sins. So if that's you, I want you to pray this with me. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes, say pray Pray this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again for my sins. I ask that you would come into my heart and save me. I surrender my old ways. I repent and I turn to you. Jesus, my life belongs to you. Thank you. Now, if, you, if, if this message spoke to you, why don't you bow your heads? I want to pray. We're going to close in a minute. Just, we're going to pray, and then we're going to take the offering. So let's pray. Father, I pray, God, that you would speak to those. Lord, maybe they're going through a lot, God. Maybe there's those who are anxious and worried. I pray their trust would be in you. Lord, I pray that we would see our assignment and our identity as kingdom people. We're we're invited to this unshakable, immovable kingdom, God. And I pray that you would help our hearts to be the same. That we would be steadfast and faithful to our belief in you. Lord, that in this time, it would not be a time where we run away or stray. But Lord, let us get closer to you than we've ever been. We thank you that you love us and that you welcome us in, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.